Welcome to the Seed Time Money Podcast. We are your hosts, Bob and Linda Lodick. This is a hope-filled podcast that'll help you save, earn, give, grow, and actually enjoy your money. We don't hold anything back. We share everything that we've learned on our journey. Everything from being 100% broke, to paying off our house by age 31, to finding work with purpose, to giving more than we ever dreamed possible, all while having a blast on this adventure that God has led us on. And if you want to achieve true financial freedom and design a life of eternal impact, this is the show for you. Hey everybody, we are excited today because we have Shanti Feldman here and she is a relationship expert. We'll say, we'll let her kind of clarify that, but she's a best-selling author of a whole bunch of books. Mm -hmm. I mean, the one we want to talk about today is called Thriving in Love and Money, which we've got, we've been going through. And this is something that, you know, Linda and I, I feel like we have a pretty good relationship with money and each other, but we always want to grow and improve. Right. And Shanti wrote a book about it with her husband. And so we're going to chat about that a little bit. But anyway, thank you for coming, Shanti. Good to chat. Absolutely. I'm thrilled. Yeah. So we're, we're really excited. And I, yeah. I think I want to kind of start because we both have some of these conversations about marriage and money a lot with our audiences and communities. Yeah. And I think one of the common questions that, uh, that I get a lot, and I'd love to hear from you, like what your thoughts are on this or what your answer is. But when you have a spouse or when you have two people who aren't talking about money, and where they don't really have any desire to change. Like these are the hard cases. Like what is your suggestion in those situations for people who are, yeah, in that situation or married to a spouse in that situation? Okay. So can I be completely transparent here? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Please do. That was 100% me and Jeff. Wow. Okay, great. This is great. This is exactly what we are. This is, this is, you are describing our marriage for the first 22 years of our marriage. Wow. We're absolutely like, we didn't actually fight about money. I know for some couples, you know, statistically, it's one of the the main argument starters. We just sort of avoided it. Kind of coped around the topic and didn't talk about it. And if you don't mind, I'll actually tell you the story of what happened. Please do. Yes. yes. Yeah, because Great. it's relevant to the book. It's it's yeah. right, basically how the book started yeah. and the research project started is, you know, we're social researchers and we've done many different projects to help, you know, how do you make a happy marriage or how do you, become, you know, understand your kids or understand men and women? Like there's all these different research projects that have become books and we were really puzzled about what our next project was supposed to be. There were all sorts of business factors and, you know, kind of the business model wasn't working. And so we're just like, honestly, to be candid, I was kind of praying about it and like, I don't know what we're supposed to do. Mm. And we get this. And one of, one of the big problems was that the business model for paying for the research wasn't working very well. Because these projects can cost $100,000, $120,000. Really good, rigorous research. That's yeah. why we do big surveys, nationally representative surveys. And oh, how are we going to pay for it? No idea. Anyway, so we get a call out of the blue from a financial services company. It's very kind of community-oriented. And they basically said, look, we know that m- money is a big issue in a lot of marriages. We don't think it has to be, 
how would you feel about making this your next research project and us funding it? Wow. And I went like, I went running into the kitchen after the call. I'm like, and we were like talking to Jeff. I'm like, oh my gosh. And then, oh my gosh. (laughs) If we are going to make this our next research project, we're actually going to have to talk about money. Wow. Yeah. It ended up the sort of the end of the story three years later, it was a three-year project. And the end of the story is that one, one of the things we discovered is that one of the main reasons why that dynamic happened, where let's just put it as one person wants to talk about money and the other person doesn't, which is probably Mm -hmm. the most common, honestly, Mm -hmm. dynamic. Yeah. The reason that that happened is very often, not always, by the way, all the statistics are always often, not always, like right. 75% yeah. of the time, not 100% of the time, Yeah, is that truly you have a mismatch of values and one person is not caring about what the other person cares about. And they don't realize it, but they're sending that signal every day. Yeah. And so the other person is like, yeah, no point in talking, <laughs> right? And wow. I'm going to avoid this. And I'll give you an example that's a very embarrassing example, but I'm going to tell you anyway. For years before this project, mm-hmm. my husband, Jeff, um, he would always, every time our church would offer a, a financial planning class, you know, financial management class. Mm-hmm. He would always say, hey, can we go? Oh, you know what? I've got so many speaking engagements. I'm on the road so much. I just don't have, I can't get there every, you know, Saturday morning or I can't get there every Thursday or whatever. So he tries the next year. Hey, can we sign up for this? Well, you know, I'm just so busy these weeks. That's just not going to work. And so finally, Jeff went on his own because I wouldn't go with him because those reasons, all those were were just camouflage. Right. The real reason that I didn't want to go with it, which we didn't, we couldn't have articulated before this, was exactly that. That there were ways that he felt really strongly. And I'm like, I just don't. I know it's going to get into an argument that I'm not agreeing with you. So it's easier just to not deal with it. Wow. Right there is one of the main reasons why you have one spouse who wants to talk about money and the other one doesn't. So what do you do? Interesting. What did you guys do? Like, yeah. So how'd you move from there? I'll tell you the, I'll tell you the, what we uncovered in the research because it's, it's kind of the answer to, to that question. Yeah. There, we, we basically, by the way, let me back up a second. We basically found that when you're having any kind of issue around money, not just that one, right? Any kind of tension around money, whatever, it's not about the money. It's about something else right. that's going on under the surface. And it's yep. about whatever the expectations are that are different or that somebody, you know, there's certain insecurities and worries that are running under the surface that the other person doesn't even know or you can't even articulate. It's, it's all these expectations about how money should work All that is like, it's like running underneath. And so what we were trying to do with the research was identify, okay, what is that stuff that's running under the surface so we can deal with the real issues? Mm -hmm. Yep. 
And, and so the real sort of issue here, um, we, we identified five, basically five of these real issues that are often running under the surface. One of the five is that we're just not valuing what our spouse is valuing. And we know that this other person we're married to is a different human. <laughs> like we, we are aware of that fact. Yeah. But for some reason, it doesn't translate in our mind to, oh, they may care about something different or want to handle something differently. And that is just as legitimate as what I care about. Yeah. I want to handle something as opposed to commonly the person who's more the money person they tend to feel their way is right, right? Like this is just the way it should be done. Everybody knows it's like gravity. Yeah. I just found it's a it. Math problem. Yeah, it's, it's black problem. and white. Right, yeah. right. And and the and the the issue for many people, including us in our marriage, is that there's a whole nother perspective. And I'll give you in order to answer your question of what we did. I'll tell you what ours was. Jeff tends to be more the saver, the planner, et cetera, et cetera. I tend to be more comfortable spending money and the, one of the things, not crazy, obviously, but just, that's just, I'm more comfortable with that. And right, we yeah. found in most marriages, that is a very common mismatch. Even by the way, in marriages where both are savers, one person is usually just more comfortable spending money than the other. Right. It, it just is like, that's extremely common. Yeah. yeah. And, and that uh, mismatch ultimately comes down to when I say you're not right, valuing what the other person is valuing, spending and saving is an example of that, where the saver thinks, and understandably, well, this just is the way it is. Like, you know, we, and, you know, if somebody is, for example, I get this all the time when I speak at churches, somebody will quote a Bible verse, for example, that says, well, of course you have to save up and plan. Like you would never build a tower without making sure you had the funds to complete it. Like that's a Bible verse, right? Yep. yep. And then, but the, the spender type, the more comfortable spending money type, they have all their verses. Like, well, okay, but what about all the verses saying that God has good gifts for us and that he wants to enjoy the gifts, us to enjoy the gifts that he's given yeah. us. And what about trusting and not worrying about tomorrow? And what about the guy who stored up all of his money in barns and then never got to enjoy it? <laughs> and yeah. So, and so you see that there are two different perspectives that are both legitimate. So what do you do when first, well, the first and the most important thing is you have to learn to honor both of you have to understand what the other is thinking and learn to honor that. Yeah. As just as legitimate as what you were thinking. Yeah. And so one of the ways that this played out for us, when you said, how did you guys deal with this? One of the big like aha moments for us was early on in uh, the, when the book launched, the pandemic hit. And I'll just give you a little free consulting. You don't work for three years on a really expensive project and then release the book 10 days before a national emergency is declared. Just a little free consulting, okay? FYI. <laughs> so we have this book come out, and normally what happens is that the business model works to get the funds back, buy a lot of speaking engagements, et cetera. Guess yeah. what happened at the beginning of the pandemic? 
all our speaking engagements got, got canceled. Yeah. Anyone who is an artist or a speaker or whose business depended yeah. on events, sorry. And right. Jeff came to me, and this is an example of what we recommend. And be, one of the things we've seen matter is he, we had been working on understanding again, what's the underneath the surface stuff, right? And so he came to me early on and he said, look, I have to tell you, I'm, I'm, I've been looking at what's underneath the surface and I'm dealing with a little bit of resentment actually, mm -hmm. because if we hadn't like gone out to eat those times last year, or if we hadn't taken that, that vacation to Disney world with the kids, wow, like we would have thousands more dollars in our bank account right now that we could really use now that right. all of our income has gone away. Right. And, but here's then what he did. And this is a perfect example. He then said, but I also realized that's not entirely fair because you, when we were going out to eat or going bowling or going to Disney World, you were making memories. You were building togetherness and experiences with the family. And now we are stuck in quarantine on top of each other. And we like each other. <laughs> and, and he said, yeah. I, I realized that until now, I'd always thought of spending money as purely a cost. And he said, I didn't realize that you viewed it as an investment. There's wow. a benefit that is obtained. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, what that conversation did was all of a sudden, all my normal defensiveness, whenever we would talk about money, it just started to go away. Wow. And that made it much more able for me then to honor him and what he cared about, which is, hey, can we talk about embracing the austerity plan <laughs> for the next year or two? <laughs> and that, that's a long explanation, but that's an example of just how crucial it is to really try to get inside and in your spouse's head and honor what they care about. Even if, by the way, really important, even if you still completely disagree, like Jeff yeah. said, you know, I would have loved to have gone out for a picnic instead of going out to a restaurant, you know, and spending, not spending as much money that way. But he said, I see why you were doing it. It was an investment in our family yeah. and that had a benefit. So that's just an example of how that yeah. worked for us. It's so funny because that's, uh, I mean, that's exactly how it played out for us. Because I, again, really? I'm the, yeah, similar to your husband. I'm like him. Linda runs around and spends all of her money. And uh, and so. Wow. He's rolling your eyes right now for those of you who can't well, <laughs> We all know the truth. So it was the same thing, though. I, I didn't have the research, but I feel like God just like hit me upside the head and said, hey. I put her in with you in this marriage on, for a reason. She has some value to add to this financial equation. I know you're the guy who's talking about money all the time. I know you're the guy who thinks you have it all figured out because it's a math problem. But there's there's value that she has to add to your financial picture. And and really, it's been exactly what you said. Just yeah, me learning how to enjoy uh, using money and, and not just saving it all up for the future. 
yeah. and not letting that be the thing. Well, and honestly, for me, it took me a while to realize that I had some value to add in that way, because I thought I didn't have the math piece of it as well as Bob did. Right. So I was like, well, he's the math guy. He's the one that knows. So I would just shut my mouth all the while. I'd be like mad because, you know, oh, we have this joke where I would see him spend a larger amount on something and I would go, okay, where did that magic money come from? And can I have some of it? Yeah. Because how, like, where, where are we getting this money to spend a thousand dollars on this thing when I could really use an extra hundred dollars here or there, but somehow you've pulled a thousand dollars from somewhere that I don't know where it's coming from. <laughs> you know, what you're, what you're describing is this is every couple, right? We, we yeah. found that, well, not every, Okay, we found that 77% of couples can't talk about money well. This yeah. is, this is, you are not unusual. The people listening to this, if you have these issues, you know, you love money because you listen to Bob's show and, you know, this is your thing, but you're trying to figure out how to get your spouse on board. Yeah, 77% of couples. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, and that makes perfect sense. I mean, given, you know, everybody we've talked to over the years, like that, that just rings true. Like, I, I feel like we we were just talking to a couple last night and they were sharing their story and we hear that over and over and over again. So it just, the research just kind of validates our suspicions. Right. But one, you know. of the, one of the things that's actually really helpful is once you, if you can start actually trying to talk about this and figure out like, what is it that, that you do value? Like what matters yeah. to you? What's, what's under the surface? You start, it, it's, this is going to sound like I'm overstating this, but it's really not. It's suddenly you actually learn your spouse in this whole yeah. new way mm -hmm. that you just didn't realize you kind of had been married all these years and there's this whole part of them yeah. that wow. you were kind of blind to when there's such an increase in connection and such an so increase cool. in intimacy. Like, there are so many things that I learned about Jeff and Jeff learned about me in the process of this research that, you know, we truly just had never really dug into because we didn't know there was something to dig into. We yeah. just thought it was about the dollars and cents, which is what gets everybody stuck. Because if it's about the dollars and cents, then there's only one solution, right? Somebody's got to make more money or somebody's got to spend less money. Like that's just, that's the only two options. Yeah. As opposed to, uh, no, actually, the dollars and cents usually aren't the issue. Yeah. Dealing with that isn't going to solve anything. Right. Well, what was it? There's There was some statistic about the amount of couples making over $250,000 a year. Oh, yeah. So right this now. just recently came out. Uh, yeah, this new stat was released that, yeah, households making $250,000 a year it's like 36% of them are still living paycheck to paycheck, like in the U.S. Or it's like, which that's crazy. Infl inflation is crazy right now, but it's honestly like, well, that should be like, you should be comfortable, right? You should be able to put something in savings each month, you would right. think. I will, I will tell you a quick story. I was speaking at, when we were in the middle of this research, I was speaking at an organization that I can't name because they work with and support and encourage very high net worth families. So mm -hmm. most of them are business owners, right? They've built a, built a hundred million dollar business or whatever it is. And, and they, but as you know, you all know, 
people in that high net worth community, they have issues too, and they yep. have needs and need to be encouraged and whatever. And so there was a retreat where I went to, to speak and I got something from the stage. I was talking about something really different, but I mentioned that I was doing this research project. And I said, I would love to interview anyone who wants to talk to me anonymously. And I said, because the impression that most people have is that if you have plenty of money, you don't fight about money. And literally the entire room busted a gut. There was about 200 people who were howling with laughter oh my about God. that because they're like, yeah, no, you have more to fight about. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. And so yeah. it was, it was a perfect example. I watched all these incredibly wealthy people who were like, oh my gosh, I wish. No, it doesn't change it's because you have a bazillion dollars. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the thing that I see and take from all this is that I think it's God's grace that he just doesn't dump a whole bunch of money on us when we think that that's the answer, because like everything else, it comes down to our heart. There's a heart issue there that has to be resolved. And a lot of times we don't address them until it gets painful enough that we decide we, all right, it's time to like pull back the curtain and like actually look and see what's going on there. And I think that so many money conversations can be that where it's like, it's just painful. I don't, I know if we talk about this, we're going to get in a fight. So I'd rather just avoid it and just keep burying it. But there's so much healing. There's so much, yeah. you know, like you're talking about connection that's possible when you actually engage in those things. It's like, yes, it, it might be like pulling off a Band-Aid where it, it stings for a minute, but it's for your best. It's for your benefit, right? Totally. Well, it, this is one of those things that I, I now regret all the years that we didn't talk about money, right? Because there was, there's been so much more connection and really yeah. when you see money as changing from being an opportunity for conflict to being an opportunity for connection and intimacy and togetherness and like learning each other, you look at it in a completely different way. And it, it ends up, it makes me sad actually that pretty much all, maybe not a hundred percent of the resources out there about money and finances, but most, maybe not a hundred, but certainly most are dealing just with the dollars and cents. Yeah. Right? yeah. They're just dealing with how do you create a good budget or how do you invest wisely? Yeah. Or get out of debt or all those things are great. Like those are all excellent things. But you can't, what we found is that basically in the, in most marriages in that 77%, right? That's step mm -hmm. two. Like most people need to be able to connect well and talk about money without getting defensive and understand the stuff under the surface before you, that's step one, before you even get to step two. Right. Yeah. That's the guess who tends to go to the Dave Ramsey class at church. It's the 23%. It's the people who can already talk about money. Yeah. It's, I mean, it was, when I looked at the stats, I was like, oh my gosh, but that makes total sense. So it's the 23% and a few really desperate people. <laughs> That's really interesting. Yeah. I never really thought of it that way, but I think you're right. Uh, and again, I'm like, cause we teach classes as well. And I'm trying to think through like, I'm, like in my brain spinning and like, I think that's really interesting yeah, uh, and really powerful because I, we have observed yeah. that. Like we, like now that I think about it, we've definitely observed that where 
I feel like oftentimes we're trying to get certain people, A, B, or C people into some of our classes uh, because we know how powerful it can be for them. But they're also the ones who's like, nah, I don't, nah, you know. They're like, you don't understand like what, yeah. what is, what's available to you. Right. So man, that's really interesting. Which is, which is why I, I wish that people, I wish the churches, I wish nonprofits and communities and people who deal with this, I wish that they would have this sort of emphasis, like let's ignore money for a minute. Like literally, like you will not find the word budget in this book. Right. There is literally nothing about financial management in the book at all, because you really don't want me to talk to you about financial management. <laughs> but it's how do you have a great relationship around this? Yeah. What is going on under the surface? And that stuff is really intriguing. It's not scary for somebody like me who would avoid all of the budgeting classes. The reason was because of all that underground stuff. Yeah. I didn't feel validated or honored in that. And it wasn't because Jeff was mean. He's a great guy. It's just, we didn't realize that each of us had our little lane that we thought was right. And we weren't talking about it. And, and so that's what I wish. I, I keep telling churches as I've now finally, you know, as the pandemic has been slowing down and things been opening back up and I'm going to talk to churches and groups and whatever more about this topic, one of the things that I always say is you need to turn your marriage ministry into a funnel to your stewardship ministry because most people just ain't going to start with your stewardship ministry. They just aren't yeah. unless they're the 23%. And so, but if you do something that's much more marriage oriented and say, this has nothing to do with budgeting or financial management, it becomes a funnel. Because suddenly people are like, oh, and they want to take that next step because they feel mm. like they can. Yeah. That's really interesting. Huh. All right. <laughs> so. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to trump you, but you know. No, no be, his brain is spinning. I'm going to be processing. I mean, because I'm thinking about this for our community. I'm thinking about this, what this means for how, I mean, because yeah, we're teaching financial education, um, but we do have a bent towards uh, what you're talking about. Like, so, I mean, we released a book a few months back and that's one of the things that a lot of people have said is really different about our book is that we're talking about addressing the heart. We're talking about a lot of the things that you're approaching here. And we do go into actual money. We do get to some of that step two stuff, but we are thankfully, like I'm now able to observe and look back that we are talking about some of the step one stuff, but, Good. but I'm thinking now more in terms of just strategically, how do we connect all these dots? And we don't need to have a business meeting here, but brainstorming session, brainstorming session on your podcast, but you know. right. oh, yeah, but it's, uh, you, you well, got me really thinking. Cause I mean, like one of the things you've said before is like, I, I, I asked him, I was like, so what is it that you found in, you know, talking to people about money all the time? And he was like, people just don't like talking about money. <laughs> and it's like, great. I'm glad we're in this business where people <laughs> hate talking about this subject. Oh, but it's really true. I mean, because there, there's just, there's stuff under the surface where it's like every time that money thing gets brought up, it's like it's dragging up all this other stuff. But I also think like what a beautiful way for God to get access into our hearts. Like 
I think there's so much debate about what God thinks about money and should we be rich or poor or somewhere in the middle. And it's never about that. Like God is not like, this is how much money a person should have. It doesn't say that in the Bible, but it does talk a lot about our hearts, even in the context of when he's bringing up money. Yeah. And so I don't know. I just think it's really, it's really interesting how I, I think people try to separate the two all the time. Yeah. And oh, you can't separate yeah. them. No, actually, it's it's really interesting. One, I should explain that one of the common ways that I speak to churches is where a pastor will bring me in and interview me on stage as the sermon time, right? Like, so it's a it's still his message, mm. but yeah. I'm kind of a subject matter expert, if that makes sense. Right. And if one of the things that I've now done at multiple churches, and you can see the the congregation kind of go, Oh, is when we talk about what Jesus said of where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, right? Yeah. Like where your money is, your heart's there because it's about the heart. One of the factors that has been focused on, but I think of quite a few churches, is like, okay, what you do with your money reveals your heart, right? Mm -hmm. Like what you do with your money like if you're willing to give to the church, if you're willing to tithe, if you're willing to not hold on to it so tightly, it shows whether you're trusting, for example. Yeah. All of that is is good. And it's something that's been discussed before. But there's another piece of this that we've seen really strongly in our interviews and surveys, which is that money reveals the heart, but it also steers the heart. Mm -hmm. And what you choose to do with it it actually changes how you think and how you feel because it's so tied in. Yeah. So, for example, choosing to go to say, okay, well, you know, maybe I will tithe or maybe I will do this other thing. It's like loosening your hands on it. And then you don't feel as tied to your money and you feel yeah. more trusting because you've made a choice that steers your heart. Or one of the other examples that's pretty important is, you know, there's a need to be one around our money. And one of the issues in marriages, one of the five factors is that we kind of, one of the things we found is we sort of want to do what we want to do. And, and, yeah. and it, it, we kind of want to do what we want to do in marriage and it's coming out and how we handle money. We don't want to be, we want to yeah. be you and me instead of we, right? We, we don't want to be one. And so when we choose to say, okay, you know what? I really want to keep my bank account separate so that I don't have to answer. Like my paycheck goes into mine and your paycheck Ooh, goes yeah. into yours and I do what I want with my money. And you go, okay, but that's not being one in marriage. Like we're supposed to be. So, okay, I'm going to force myself. Let's do it. Let's merge our finances. And that's steering your heart towards what? Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. and some people listening to this, by the way, are going to go, well, I'm fine. You know, I don't, I don't, that's not me. I don't have, a, we have, we have joint bank accounts. And so I don't have that problem with oneness. And I always am like, yeah, I thought I didn't either, but you know, ask yourself, do you ever pull the Amazon package off the front step before your spouse sees it? Uh-huh. That's just the same wanting to do what we want to do. Yep. Yeah. As that causes other people to separate their accounts entirely. So steer yeah. your heart, force yourself to leave the Amazon package there 
so that your spouse knows you bought this thing. Right. And yeah. that steers your heart towards transparency and oneness. So, uh, yeah. I definitely did that. I remember I had a hardcore Starbucks addiction and I would just try. I was like, if he doesn't see me drinking it, then I didn't actually buy it. But <laughs> him being the money guy, like he saw every transaction that came in. He yeah, of course. What was going on. <laughs> and I was like, but it, if, if we if he didn't in my mind, if he didn't see it, then it didn't happen and we didn't have to talk about it. You know, yeah. I mean, it was like me tricking myself, but yeah. it is so foolish, like such a foolish thing. Like I was only lying to myself because he knew exactly what was going on. Yeah, exactly. but it was interesting how that that thing under the surface of like, for me, I knew I wasn't supposed to be doing that. Like it, in my own head, I was like, this is a bad idea. This is not good for me because I was getting the sweetest drink that they serve <laughs> and I was doing it every day. And I was like, this is terrible for me. Like I knew all that stuff. But I didn't know how to stop because it was a, literally an addiction for me. And so I was like, oh, if he just doesn't see it, if he doesn't see it, then we don't have to talk about it. And it's like it didn't happen. And so it wasn't about how much money I was spending, even though that's kind of what brought brought the topic up. It was something else about this shame thing that I had going on. Well, you know, can I mention something that we found actually in the research that applied to that kind of situation? Let's pretend you didn't have an addiction. Like, let's pretend there was nothing unhealthy about you wanting to every day. Let's just put it together. It's a smoothie. Say it's whatever it is. Yeah. Okay. And there is an interesting thing that we found that radically changes the happiness level in marriage around money. And I don't have time to go into all the statistics and everything, but Basically, couples who work to kind of, it's part of that working to honor what the other person cares about. If they work to honor what the other person cares about by allocating a sort of a bucket of money that the other person can spend on whatever they want without having to like talk about it or check in or feel guilty and including one partner, you know, that bucket of money, they may put it into savings. Right. Like that may be how they use their bucket, but allocating that bucket of money, whether for some couples is probably 20 bucks or some it's a thousand bucks. Like, you know, whatever works for that couple, those couples were far more happy in their relationship and far more happy in their relationship around money because then they, the person could make the choice to go to Starbucks every day. Yeah. Or without the person looking over their shoulder and going, that's stupid. You shouldn't be spending your money that way. You know, it's that's so funny. That's one of our number one tips for couples is to get your own spending spending money category. So it's like we we, and we deal within our budget. So it's like we we budget a certain amount. It's an agreed upon amount. Yeah. So. But it is funny because I will look I over at Bob's. I love that data to back that up. That makes me so happy. I look over at Bob's and I'm like, oh, you got a little extra money in there. You feel like being generous this month? Oh, okay. I have to say you one, of that that is funny. one of the things that Jeff loved about this data and the interviews that we conducted is that also having that bucket of your spending money, like you were talking about, it yeah. allows one partner to be generous with the other. Like, because you do have a little bit of extra Right. That's what I thought. And how many times have I been? I'm totally kidding. (laughs) Right? Yeah, no, yes, it's true. 
But it is funny that I'm always like looking to see what's going on over in his bucket. That's so, that's so cute. <laughs> Speaks to our personalities. Does a little bit. But yeah, that's so good. And it is interesting that there is. I love yeah, the really, data to back I'm really it up. I'm really thankful because yeah, we talk about that all the time. And so now I'm going to be able to, you have the, you, know, whip that you have the stats in the book, out. right? I do. Yeah, they're in there. I'm going to pull it out. I'm going to be referencing We're that. We're going to be, well, great. Jeff and Shanti told us. We spend $120,000 to get you that data. So okay. Well, we appreciate it. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on, chatting about I all know. Super Thank helpful. you for writing this book, too. Yeah. Thanks for pulling it all together, doing yeah. all the work. Yeah. Because I think it's a really helpful resource. And anyone listening, watching, yeah, go check out this book. Like, even if you're doing well financially, like we can all are well with our spouse in this topic, we can all do better. And so uh, it's called Thriving in Love and Money. So go check that out. And they have lots of other books and resources that yes. are well worth checking out about your marriage and all kinds of fun mm -hmm. things. Yep. So anyway, thank you, Shanti. Thanks for coming to hang with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us on the Seed Time Money Podcast. And remember, money isn't the goal, but it's simply a tool to help you fulfill your purpose and your calling. And we'd love to help you achieve true financial freedom faster with our email newsletter. So if you want exclusive money tips and hope-filled encouragement in your inbox, head over to seedtime.com to get signed up.